Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse on the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 or so to about 10.50 or so a.m. Eastern. And today we're continuing our reading of the Manual for Teachers with Section 3, no, I'm sorry, 4, What are the Characteristics of God's Teachers? We'll be beginning this morning uh, with the first paragraph after trust, which is honesty, and we'll read through um, defenselessness. Honesty through defenselessness. We're also mindful of our lesson today. Lesson 341. I can attack but my own sinlessness, and it's only that which keeps me safe. Beautiful lesson. The first following the the topic that we'll review for the next 10 days was a miracle. And by way of opening this morning, of course, where better could I go than to Helen Schuckman's poems, The Gifts of God. And I found this, Christ's vision. Let not the past obscure the now to you, for thus you waken happily with joy upon your heart and eyes to see a world awaiting to be seen aright at last. How beautiful the newly born, for they reflect their father's love, their brother's care, the happiness of heaven, and the peace that is their true inheritance. It is on them you look. They have no past today. All darkness vanishes and heaven's smile presents a world from which the past is gone and present happiness ends all despair in shining silence and simplicity. Let not the past obscure the now to you. Amen. Oh, thanks for that. That was good. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. I love her poetry. Makes my Thank heart you, Larry, me too. Me too, Anna. All right, my friends, here's our reading list this morning. Uh, we have Lemoyne, Fran, Lana, Jessica, and Donna. And we're joined in listening this morning by Harrison, Ida, and Judy. Uh, has anyone else joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Uh, it's Micah and Roz, and I can read. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Micah and Roz. Great. Okay. So here we go. In the Manual for Teachers, question four, or I guess it's not a question. Yeah, it is. What are the characteristics of God's teachers? We'll begin today with honesty in paragraph 11. 
All other traits of God's teachers rest on trust. Once that has been achieved, the others cannot fail to follow. Only the trusting can afford honesty, for only they can see its value. Honesty does not apply only to what you say. The term actually means consistency. There is nothing you say that contradicts what you think or do. No thought opposes any other thought. No act belies your word. And no word lacks agreement with another. Such are the truly honest. At no level are they in conflict with themselves. Therefore, it is impossible for them to be in conflict with anyone or anything. Lemoyne. Manual for Teachers, Topic 4, What are the Characteristics of God's Teachers? Honesty, Paragraph 11. All other traits of God's teachers rest on trust. Once that has been achieved, the others cannot fail to follow. Only the trusting can afford honesty, for only they can see its value. Honesty does not apply only to what you say. The term actually means consistency. There is nothing you say that contradicts what you think or do. No thought opposes any other thought. No act belies your word. And no word lacks agreement with another. Such are the truly honest. At no level are they in conflict with themselves. Therefore, it is impossible for them to be in conflict with anyone or anything. The peace of mind which the advanced teachers of God experience is largely due to their perfect honesty. It is only the wish to deceive that makes for war. No one at one with himself can even conceive of conflict. Conflict is the inevitable result of self-deception, and self-deception is dishonest. There is no challenge to a teacher of God. Challenge implies doubt, and the trust on which God's teachers rest secure makes doubt impossible. Therefore, they can only succeed. In this, as in all things, they are honest. They can only succeed because they never do their will alone. They choose for all mankind, for all the world, and all things in it, for the unchanging and unchangeable beyond appearances, and for the Son of God and His Creator. How could they not succeed? They choose in perfect honesty, sure of their choice themselves. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. Paragraph 12. The peace of mind which the advanced teachers of God experience is largely due to their perfect honesty. It is only the wish to deceive that makes for war. No one at one with himself can even conceive of conflict. Conflict is the inevitable result of self-deception, and self-deception is dishonesty. 
There is no challenge to a teacher of God. Challenge implies doubt, and the trust on which God's teachers rest secure makes doubt impossible. Therefore, they can only succeed. In this, as in all things, they are honest. They can only succeed because they never do their will alone. They choose for all mankind, for all the world and all things in it, for the unchanging and unchangeable beyond appearances, and for the Son of God, his Creator. How could they not succeed? They choose in perfect honesty, sure of them of their choice themselves. Tolerance. God's teachers do not judge. To judge is to be dishonest. For to judge is to assume a position you do not have. Judgment without self-deception is impossible. Judgment implies that you have been deceived in your brothers. How then could you not have been deceived in yourself? Judgment implies a lack of trust. And trust remains the bedrock of the teacher of God's whole thought system. Let this be lost, and all his learning goes. Without judgment are all things equally acceptable. For who could judge otherwise? Without judgment are all men brothers. For who is there who stands apart? Judgment destroys honesty and shatters trust. No teacher of God can judge and hope to learn. Thank you, Fran and Lana. Okay. Uh, tolerance. God's teachers do not judge. To judge is to be dishonest. For to judge is to assume a position you do not have. Judgment without self-deception is impossible. Judgment implies that you have been deceived in your brothers. How then could you not have been deceived in yourself? Judgment implies a lack of trust, and trust remains the bedrock of the teacher of God's whole thought system. Let this be lost, and all his learning goes. Without judgment, are all things equally acceptable? For who could judge otherwise? Without judgment, are all men are all men brothers? For who is there who stands apart? Judgment destroys honesty and shatters trust. No teacher of God can judge and hope to learn. Gentleness. Harm is impossible for God's teachers. They can neither, neither harm nor be harmed. Harm is the outcome of judgment. It is the dishonest act that follows a dishonest thought. It is a verdict of guilt upon a brother and therefore on oneself. It is the end of peace and the denial of learning. It demonstrates the absence of God's curriculum and its replacement by insanity. No teacher of God 
but must learn and fairly, fairly early in his training that harmfulness completely obliterates his function from his awareness. It will make him confused, fearful, angry, and suspicious. It will make the Holy Spirit's lessons impossible to learn. Nor can God's teachers, teacher be heard at all except by those who realize that harm can actually achieve nothing. <laughs> no gain can come of it. Thank you, Lana. And Jessica. Thank you, Lori. Gentleness. Paragraph 14. Harm is impossible for God's teachers. They can neither harm nor be harmed. Harm is the outcome of judgment. It is the dishonest act that follows a dishonest thought. It is a verdict of guilt upon a brother and therefore on oneself. It is the end of peace and the denial of learning. It demonstrates the absence of God's curriculum and its replacement by insanity. No teacher of God but must learn, and fairly early in his training, that harmfulness completely obliterates his function from his awareness. It will make him confused, fearful, angry, and suspicious. It will make the Holy Spirit's lessons impossible to learn. Nor can God's teachers be heard at all except by those who realize that harm can actually achieve nothing. No gain can come of it. 15. Therefore, God's teachers are wholly gentle. They need the strength of gentleness. For it is in this that the function of salvation becomes easy. To those who would do harm, it is impossible. To those to whom harm has no meaning, it is merely natural. What choice but this has meaning to the, ins- to the sane? Who chooses hell when he perceives a way to heaven? And who would choose the weakness that must come from harm in place of the unfailing, all-encompassing, and limitless strength of gentleness? The might of God's teachers lies in their gentleness, for they have understood their evil thoughts came neither from God's Son nor his Creator. Thus, did they join their thoughts with him who is their source. And so their will, which always was his own, is free to be itself. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Uh, just too loud. I'm on the, my car thing. No, it sounds very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Thank you. <clears throat> Fifteen. 
Therefore, God's teachers are wholly gentle. They need the strength of gentleness. For it is in this that the function of salvation becomes easy. To those who would do harm, it is impossible. To those whom harm has no meaning, it is merely natural. What choice but this has meaning to the same? Who chooses hell when he perceives a way to heaven? And who would choose the weakness that must come from harm in place of the unfailing, all-encompassing, and limitless strength of gentleness? The might of God's teachers lies in their gentleness, for they have understood their evil thoughts came neither from God's Son nor his Creator. Thus did they join their thoughts with him, who is their source. And so their will, which always was his own, is free to be itself. Joy, 16. Joy is the inevitable result of gentleness. Gentleness means that fear is now impossible. And what could come to interfere with joy? The open hands of gentleness are always filled. The gentle have no pain. They cannot suffer. Why would they not be joyous? They are sure they are beloved and must be safe. Joy goes with gentleness as surely as grief attends attack. God's teachers trust in him, and they are sure his teacher goes before them, making sure no harm can come to them. They behold his gifts and follow in his way, because God's voice directs them in all things. Joy is their song of thanks, and Christ looks down on them and thanks as well. His need of them is just as great as theirs of him. How joyous is it to share the purpose of salvation. Thank you, Donna. Uh, And Micah. Okay. Uh, Joy, 16. Joy is the inevitable result of gentleness. Gentleness means that fear is now impossible. And what could come to interfere with joy? The open hands of gentleness are always filled. The gentle have no pain. They cannot suffer. Why would they not be joyous? They are sure they are beloved and must be safe. Joy goes with gentleness as surely as grief attends attack. God's teachers teachers trust in him, and they are sure his teacher goes before them, making sure no harm can come to them. They hold his gifts and follow in his way because God's voice directs them in all things. Joy is their song of thanks, and Christ looks down on them in thanks as well. His need of them is just as great as theirs of him. 
How joyous it is to share the purpose of salvation. Defenselessness. 17. God's teachers have learned how to be simple. They have no dreams that need defense against the truth. They do not try to make the, they do not try to make themselves. Their joy comes from their understanding who created them. And does what God created need defense? No one can come and no one can become an advanced teacher of God until he fully understands that defenses are but the foolish guardians of mad illusions. The more grotesque the dream, the fiercer and more powerful its defenses seem to be. Yet when the teacher of God finally agrees to look past them, he finds nothing was there. Slowly at first he lets himself be undeceived, but he learns faster as his trust increases. It is not danger that comes when defenses are laid down. It is safety, it is peace, it is joy, and it is God. Thank you, Micah. And would there be another new reader, or a new reader, who would like to complete today's reading with the, with the chapter, uh, paragraph 17, please? I would love to do that, Lori. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Defenselessness. God's teachers have learned how to be simple. They have no dreams that need defense against the truth. They do not try to make themselves. Their joy comes from their understanding who created them. And does what God created need defense? No one can become an advanced teacher of God until he fully understands that defenses are but foolish guardians of mad illusions. The more grotesque the dream, the fiercer and more powerful its defenses seem to be. Yet when the teacher of God finally agrees to look past them, he finds that nothing was there. Slowly at first, he lets himself be undeceived, but he learns faster as his trust increases. It is not danger that comes when defenses are laid down, it is safety, it is peace, and it is joy, and it is God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Judy, and thank you, everyone who read this morning. Um, so speaking in this section for what are the characteristics of God's teachers, he starts us off with the uh, special gifts or special role in the plan for atonement, temporary gifts, born in the holy relationship, born in the holy relationship toward which the teaching learning situation is geared. These become characteristic of all teachers of God who have advanced in their own learning. 
And after trust, we begin with honesty, where he says all other traits of God's teachers rest on trust. Only the trusting can afford honesty, for only they can see its value. Honesty does not apply only to what you say. The term actually means consistency. The peace of mind which the advanced teachers of God experience is largely due to their perfect honesty. They can only succeed because they never do their will alone. They choose for all mankind, for all the world and all things in it, for the unchanging and unchangeable beyond appearances, and for the Son of God and His Creator. They choose in perfect honesty, sure of their choice themselves. And as for tolerance, God's teachers do not judge. Judgment implies lack of trust, and trust remains the bedrock of the teacher of God's whole thought system. No teacher of God can judge and hope to learn. And gentleness, no teacher of God but must learn, and fairly early in his training, that harmfulness completely obliterates his function from his awareness. Nor can God's teacher be heard at all except by those who realize that harm can actually achieve nothing. Therefore, God's teachers are wholly gentle. They need the strength of gentleness, for it is in this that the function of salvation becomes easy. Who would choose the weakness that must come from harm in place of the all-failing, all-encompassing, and limitless strength of gentleness the might of God's teachers lies in their gentleness. And joy is the inevitable result of gentleness. Gentleness means that fear is now impossible. And what could come to interfere with joy? Joy goes with gentleness as surely as grief attends attack. God's teachers trust in him and they are sure his teacher goes before them, making sure no harm can come to them. They hold his gifts and follow in his way because God's voice directs them in all things. Joy is their song of thanks. And finally, defenselessness. God's teachers have learned how to be simple. They have no dreams that need defense against the truth and fully understand that defenses are but the foolish guardians of mad illusions. It is not danger that comes when defenses are laid down. It is safety, it is peace, it is joy, and it is God. Amen. And the floor is open. Amen. Uh, this is Donna. And from defenselessness, I pulled out the words and made uh, what I'm caught. This is what somebody, the Holy Spirit, is calling prayer of professing in oneness. And it goes like this. I am Christ. All are Christ. Jointly participating in the good of God in absolute trust. I, Christ, have no dream nor make myself. My joy, my joy is understanding that defense is foolish, mad illusion. Quote, what seems to be, end quote. I, Christ, let trust 
increase. It is safety, it is peace, joy, and it is God. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful, Donna. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. That was beautiful. Well, good morning. It's Lana. Um, I just love how once a trust is in place, everything else kind of just flows into it, you know. It's yeah, I can't imagine doing any having any of these attributes if trust was not present. I remember when I first moved in here about five years ago, um, the my roommate, <laughs> you know, he he's a former school teacher and principal uh, to middle school students, and um, he treats everybody like they're a student, you know, 12 or 13, that's the way he talks to them. And I affectionately call him Archie Bunker because, you know, we had actually nothing in common, <laughs> really. He was just this curmudgeon, grouchy old guy. But I loved the room and the location, and so um, I just decided I know the Christ is in there somewhere, and I'm going to find him. And uh, the reason I bring this up was is because my whole guidance um, in getting through my resistance to his personality uh, came from the teacher's manual and the characteristics of the teachers of God. And um, I found um, the two that helped me the most were uh, the gentleness and um, also defenselessness. I just decided that um, I wasn't going to take offense or defend myself in any way, and I was going to treat him gently. And so whenever he criticized me for anything, I would just turn it around and say, you know, oh, that was a good idea. I'm going to try that. And uh, it, it sort of just melted all the frustration I originally had for him. And uh, the miracle is that um, we have a very loving relationship, and he has become gentle. He is so gentle with me in how he takes time to deform his words and, and communicates in a loving way. And so um, I did find his heart. I did find his Christ by healing my own mind. And really, uh, I did, when I stopped demanding him in my, in my mind um, as being um, other than he was, you know, Earl is Earl and he does Earl perfectly, <laughs> you know, that's just the fact. And I can either be frustrated by it and critique everything, take everything personal, or I could just stand back and allow him to be himself. And through that, you know, um, we, we get along fine. You know, we, we don't have a long, any long discussions on spirituality because that's not his bag, but <laughs> in, any other, in every other way, um, you know, the relationship is really holy now. 
and uh, and I owe it all to these characteristics of teacher God. They just guided me, and every time I read one of them, I could see how I was violating it within myself. So it was a uh, it was a wonderful learning tool to use. So um, it just when I was reading today, it just brought back to mind <laughs> that whole. Um, sorting through, you know, and, and recognizing the truth of him and me. So I'm complete. Thanks for listening. Lana, that was so beautiful. I love these practical examples that you offer to us. You know, it, it really means a lot when there's something in the, you know, in the relationship world <laughs> that you can point to. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Oh, thank you. It's, it's definitely... You know, practice makes progress. <laughs> so, sometimes slowly, but it always wins. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much, you, Lana. This is Jessica, and I, I've met Earl, so it really hit. I totally understand what you're talking about, and what a beautiful achievement to, to reach through through all of that kind of, um, you know, bluster and. Uh, and negativity to to the heart is a very beautiful thing and and what an endorsement of these of this part of the teacher's manual thanks a lot oh thank you jessica thanks jessica thank you jessica This is Sandra. I just want to acknowledge you, Lana, again, because um, it's it's really hard, and I I I have attributed um, these words to putting principles above personalities, and sometimes it's just so challenging for me, um, because some people drive me crazy. <laughs> but I know the truth, and I aspire. And I want the truth, so I will definitely look deeper, go in deeper, and uh, hone those skills, particularly the one of gentleness, because I tend to be harsh. Um, because I grew up with such harshness around me, it's, it's like I, I know that my heart is gentle, and, and there's the opportunity for people to put principles above personalities with me, too, because inside there is gentleness, there is compassion, there is con- kindness, but the outer uh, shell can be a little bit rough. And um, and I sure do appreciate it when people can look beyond that and see what's in my heart. So it's a it's a even though it's a challenge, it's it's what I aspire to, and I will keep on coming until I can master it. I'm complete. Oh, Sandra, it was challenging. It was very challenging, (laughs) no doubt about it. And I failed many times, but in the big picture, eventually it all came together. Thank you, Sandra. Hi, this is Ida. Oh, good morning. I love you guys. Um, 
I'm just trying to get a job again and online. And that was violating the trust that I had in my divine guidance, which is to stop trying to get a job. I was trying for months earlier in the year a little bit, you know, and um, trust that the money is coming to me and Joe and will come in month by month it'll work out. And it's not like it hasn't been working out. Um, uh, I mean, it worked out when we had situation required, suddenly required extra money earlier in the year. And certainly working out right now, December, uh, when, you know, I get gifts from my, um, of, of cat money from my um, family, some, you know, but, but the amount is not important. It's just that um, I have to have a trust that, um, I mean, it works out, it's, it's not just going to work out for one month, it's going to work out for every month, and um, thanks for um, for letting me share today. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Oh, thank you, Ida. That was really thank sweet. you, Ida. Good morning, Ida. Thanks. Good morning. Come ahead, Micah. Oh, no, I was just saying good morning to Ida. I see. Wonderful. Well, maybe this pause is just the perfect place to um, <laughs> just sit here and reflect on what is a miracle in today's lesson? Uh, so, Fran, we'll turn to you again this morning to lead our reflection. So grateful you're here to do this for us. Thank you, Laurie. Hi, everybody. We're in the second part of the workbook, and our new theme is What is a Miracle? And the lesson for today is Lesson 341. I can attack but my own sinlessness, and it is only that which keeps me safe. I shall read some from What is a Miracle? Oh, perfect. First sentence. A miracle is a correction. It does not create nor really change at all. It merely looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. It undoes error, but does not attempt to go beyond perception, nor exceed the function of forgiveness. Thus it stays within time's limits. Yet it pays the way for the return of timelessness and love's awakening. For fear must slip away under the gentle remedy it gives. A miracle contains the gift of grace, for it is given and received as one. Forgiveness is the home of miracles. The eyes of Christ deliver them to all they look upon in mercy and in love. The miracle is taken first on faith 
because to ask for it implies the mind has been made ready to conceive of what it cannot say and does not understand. Miracles fall like drops of healing rain from heaven on a dry and dusty world where starved and thirsty creatures came to die. Now they have water. Now the world is green. And everywhere the signs of life spring up to show that what is born can never die. For what has life has immortality. Now we'll go to the lesson. Lesson 341. I can attack but my own sinlessness and it is only that which keeps me safe. Father, your son is holy. I am he on whom you smile in love and tenderness so deep and dear and still the universe smiles back on you and shares your holiness. How pure, how safe, how sacred then are we abiding in your smile with all your love bestowed upon us, living one with you in brotherhood and fatherhood, complete, in sinlessness so perfect that the Lord of sinlessness conceives us as his son, a universe of thought completing him. Let us not then attack our sinlessness, for it contains the word of God to us, and in its kind reflection we are saved. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 341. I can attack but my own sinlessness, and it is only that which keeps me safe. Father, your son is holy. I am he on whom you smile in love and tenderness so deep and dear, and still the universe smiles back on you and shares your holiness. Lesson 341. I can attack but my own sinlessness, and it is only that which keeps me safe. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Oh, thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks, friends. It's Robin Marie. I've been listening for a little while, but I was late. So I'm listening, and I'm loving hearing your voices. Thank you. Oh, hi, Robin Marie. Glad you're here. Yeah, welcome. Fran, I, I sensed you wanted to say more about a miracle is a correction. That first sentence. Am I right? Let me get back to that. Um, I just love that first sentence. Uh, a miracle is correction. It does not create nor really change at all. Wow. It just corrects. That's just amazing. Every now and then, you know, a line like that will just get to me. And that's one of them, definitely. It's nothing but a correction. No matter what we see in movies or anything like that, <laughs> it's a correction. All right, thanks, Lori. I'm complete. I wonder what anyone else has to say about that. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, it's like um, restore factory settings, isn't it? Yeah. So, thank you. Now I'm complete. Thanks for the invitation, Fran. This is Ida. Um, I agree that, um, of course, that a miracle is a correction. And the book says it may not have observable effects, but it always has effects. Um, I've been the witness of what I call minor miracles because they didn't have observable maybe so much observable effects or it didn't raise somebody from the dead or heal somebody of a big illness or something or but except that there are no minor miracles because the course says that um that all that um they're all the same no matter um what the apparent differences between one miracle and another. There there's no hierarchy in miracles. You know, um, just like there's no hierarchy and other things that he talks about in the course, too. So, thanks. I'll complete. Thanks, Ida. Uh, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. I also love this sentence in here when he says, it undoes error, but does not attempt to go beyond perception, nor exceeds the function of forgiveness. Thus it stays within time's limits. So we will experience the miracles being at this state of time. And we still have perception and forgiveness. I'm complete. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, yeah, Fran. Yeah, thank you, Fran. That one caught my eye this morning because then all it, all the correction is applied to is perception. It's all it correct. It doesn't need to change the world or change any 
any body or any being. It's just a correction in perception. And it doesn't exceed the function of forgiveness, which is just letting go of the error. And so it stays within time's limits. It's like free from um, consideration related to the if this then that world of form. I mean, it, it doesn't doesn't play that game. It just restores us to. <laughs> I struggle a little bit with natural factory settings because it's really the, a natural state of being. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it clears off all the all the changes been, that have been tried to attempted to make in seeking to defend against error or or truth. Um, that the defenses only interfere with perception. And again, a miracle doesn't go beyond perception. I think I, that was the... I, I just got that this this could be occurring all the time, and uh, it's not obvious, but correction is available without regard to... Uh, any consideration of form. That's what I see when it's saying the bedtime. I think it reads. It doesn't, the miracle doesn't actually, I think the text says these things, it doesn't actually do the healing. The healing is the result. It's not the miracle itself, it's not the healing. And, and so, um, the restoral of those natural factors <laughs> um, allows allows creation and God to kind of faded away at the end there. How uh, complete? Sorry. <laughs> Uh, the point being that it's the miracle um, is only a correction of perception and that the actual healing force is already there and is now freed to uh, do the healing as, you know, as they say, as God and creation can do the, do the healing. Yeah. Miracle, just yeah, getting out of the way. <laughs> it would be a miracle if I could get out of my own way. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that the truth? Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, thanks, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Yeah. <clears throat> Lemoyne. You know, I came across this line. I came across the quote. Um, I think it was in chapter twenty-eight. And it's and it states exactly what you're saying, Lemoyne. It it uh, it says the miracle does nothing. All it does is to undo, and thus it cancels out the interference to what has been done. It does not add 
but merely takes away. And what it takes away is long since gone, but being kept in memory appears to have immediate effects. So really, it's just returning our mind to God. And uh, so God isn't hidden behind all this junk I've laid on top of it. So the whole, so the miracle to me is it gets rid of all the junk so the light of God can shine in my mind. And, um, and you feel it because there's that shift in perception. And, and that's, um, you know, that's always the evidence to me and the demonstration that my mind has been corrected. So thanks for that, Lemoyne. And thanks for that quote, Lana. That really says mm-hmm. it all, doesn't it? Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank you thank both. You. This is Jessica, and I know this is a very familiar line from the chorus, but um, the line in paragraph three, each lily of forgiveness offers all the world the silent miracle of love. That's a very powerful idea and truth every every forgiveness that i allow that i extend that i experience offers all the world the silent miracle of love it's you know that um that correction in my mind of letting go of the false perception and allowing the truth of of um forgiveness and you know by 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 the natural effect of forgiveness which is extension of the truth um that i am offering all the world all the world the silent miracle of love I mean, why would I not go through my day just throwing the forgiveness all around with with abandon? Because if I can offer all the world the silent miracle of love all day long, what else would I want to do? I'm complete. Thank you, Jessica. That's my favorite line, too. Thank you very much for that. Yes, mine as well. Thank you, Jessica. Oh, I, I was off the call for a moment. What was the favorite line again? Could you repeat that, Jessica? Oh, it's, um, each lily of forgiveness offers all the world the silent miracle of love. Mm. Thanks.
This is Micah. Uh, in in the lesson, uh, in the lesson, the line I liked a lot was um, uh, in the, the italicized part. Let's see how, where to begin it. It's a long sentence, but I don't. It's not the whole thing. Uh, okay, the Lord of sinlessness conceives us as his son, a universe of thought, completing him. And it's, to me, it's just, it brings up this beautiful reminder that we are mind. And that that reality is under so, it's under different laws. It's, it's the uh, suddenly our our awareness, my awareness has moved into cause, and then it looks at the dream as its effect, and it's a mind, a unified mind, and um, and that's our reality. Uh, let's see here, I have a, another mind quote that I wanted to share. Um, hmm, where did that go? Let's see. Um, anyway, I'm not, I can't find that mind quote. If I find it, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. I'm done, but thanks. Thank you, Micah. Thanks, Micah. Oh, you're welcome. That's a little rough, huh? Hello, am I on you? <laughs> no, we hear you, Judy. Oh, hi. I pressed so many buttons. I <laughs> pressing and unpressing. Every time someone spoke, um, I love this lesson today. And um, the um, where is it? I've lost the lesson in my lap. But where it says, I can attack only my own, those words, only my own um, sinlessness. And um, what is my own became my question in in my silence this morning. And I think it reflects the answer that I get always unchangeably, changelessly the same answer, that I am one with God and all of creation, being his son. Um, and the perfection of that is what guarantees my perfection within it. I'm a part of it. And to recognize that I am a part of the whole of it is where the perception, the ability to perceive everyone without sin comes from. It's, it comes from the perfect perception of Christ, seeing through the forgiving eyes of Christ who sees everything as perfect as himself, perfectly innocent, without sin, without distortion, without judgment or or interpretation. He sees only the spirit, the perfect purity of the light, of being, the incredible lightness of being a spirit. And I just love that. I love that incredible lightness of being. (laughs) 
<laughs> light with a capital L, that God is the light with which I see, through which I see, that looks upon everything that I see and sees everything as itself, in the light of the Spirit. And I, you know, I love, I love this teacher's manual because this really ripped me open for self-inquiry when I first read it. And um, this honesty being an integral part of me, that um, if I was going to be a person of integrity, that my words would have to match my thoughts. My thoughts could not be in conflict. I couldn't, I couldn't be on the fence about what was true about me and what was false. I couldn't claim things that were not my own. And I could only claim what was my own by God's gift to me, how God created me to be and all God's gifts to me. Everything that was ever given me was a gift from God. And, um, you know, that no one, in the, it says the peace of mind, that, you know, the trust that came to me, the tranquil mind, it's no small gift, became something that I used to just mantra throughout the day because I recognized in order to know and be one with my creator, I'd have to be at peace. I'd have to be at still. I'd have to be without conflict, without attack, without judgment. I'd have to let go of the investment in what my physical eyes saw because all physical sight is, is inherently judgmental. It separates and divides, evaluates and compares, and criticizes. It, and it and it does it. It you know when you're coming from a judgmental mind, it it usually is a form of criticism or complaint. This should be different than what what I think it should be. You know, it's not just judging everything as good, which is what Christ's vision does. Opened up to my eyes the inherent goodness to let go of error as being a personal interpretation, as being merely an opinion, and slicing and dicing a person up into what I would think of him, what I would make of him. And I started to decide not to let any thoughts come between me and my fellows, that I could not read a book by its cover. I couldn't possibly judge someone for anything they said or did because I didn't know his totality, or I was failing to recognize it by being judgmental. So the totality, to understand someone totally, is to understand their totality, and their totality is in God. And here's where that tolerance comes. You know, it's like, I can't judge. To judge any part of God is to judge, or judge any part of reality with a capital R is to judge all of it. So if I judge anybody, I'm judging God. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we, you know, let's put a, let's cowgirl up here and get really honest. Are you ready to assume that role? And, um, you know, I really started to step back away from Jude's thinking and, and, and um, you know, I'm getting better at it. I certainly haven't perfected it. But, um the idea that miracles, miracles are just expressing love. And I love that natural factory setting because that's how God created us to be, merely loving, expressing love, 
to everything as being lovable, honoring and appreciating, and appreciating in value by valuing it, by loving it. And that's, that's being a child of God, to appreciate everything as increase their value by loving it. And, um, you know, that it, it's, it's with, we're with and for each other here. And although people may appear or seem to be something other than loving, it's really a, it's just another way of recognizing love within me. It's, it's in my own perception. It, and this is how the miracle, when miracles don't happen, it's not natural. Miracles are a natural expression of who I am in, in my oneness with Christ and God. That, you know, they're, um, they're, this line in the second paragraph of what is a miracle, they can't contain the gift of grace. And grace is, to me, the state of mind that's in unicity with the totality of my reality, that I see everything swimming in the sea of grace including myself, for it's given and received as one, and it's given and received everywhere, all the time. That's what being holy and sacred, in a holy and um, sacred um, relationship, means to me. And, um, Lori, I just want to, and I'll wrap it up with this, is the way that you started out the reading today um, in saying that the gifts of God come, from the introduction, these special gifts born in the holy relationship toward which all our teaching, learning situations are geared, and that we have one teacher, and that's, that's the voice of God in us. And I love what Sandra said about listening to that, the wisdom of my heart, because if I'm disturbed and I get quiet and I listen to what my heart tells me, it always says, just love this. There's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to think. There's no other way to think. And um, I love the, the opening with which you gifted us, Lori, um, from Helen Shuckman. And um, I can't remember why I was going to say why, but that's all the end. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Joy to the world. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Judy. That was lovely. Thank you, Judy. This is Sandra again, and I would just like to say that I'm so grateful for the tools that I have when I, you know, when I fall short of any of these attributes of a teacher of God, <laughs> um, and that is to bring it to the Holy Spirit because I do fall short. But if, but I also know that I can bring it to my Holy Spirit. That it's I'm actually told that I'm going to fall short, <laughs> and that there's there is a comforter when I do fall short, which is my Holy Spirit. And I've been calling on Holy Spirit all morning. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank, Thank you. Sandra. 
Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Oh, thank you, Sandra. I just, it's raining here in Maine today, and I just love the line in the fifth paragraph of what is a miracle. It says, miracles fall like drops of healing rain from heaven on a dry and dusty world. Oh, that, um, you know, that um, the eyes of Christ deliver miracles to all they look upon because Christ's eyes look on everything with love and in mercy and in love, and perception stands corrected in his sight. And what was meant to curse, criticize, or blame, I'm going to put in there because <laughs> that's what I do <laughs> or have done, has come to bless silent miracles of love. Amen. Yeah. I love that too, Judy. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love that too. <clears throat> this is Lori, and um, it was it was in 2015. After um, probably 11 years of feeling like I lost track of myself, I woke up one morning and said, "I need a practice." And that wasn't to say I didn't have a practice. Um, because I knew from Holy Instant what truth was. And while I lost track of myself, I prayed over and over again, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It was such a deep yearning. But in that deep yearning, what happened to me was I put Holy Instant in my past and tried to go forward to reach it um, I lost track of myself and I lost track of my practice. And um, and now I can say I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, and, and my first realization was I need I need the reinstatement of my holy instant. I I have to have that uh, in order to be myself not realizing, not realizing that every miracle is now. What I'd done was taken my holy instant out of the past and put it like a rabbit on a track and myself chasing it. I distanced myself from myself. And thank God, thank God, for the realization that I need to practice because, because what Holy Spirit was really saying to me is you need the experience of love now and now and now and now not from the past and not in the future but now and so yeah that first line a miracle is a correction and, and so I, I said okay well um, you know I'll go out there and I'll be with people Oh, but I'm really afraid. Um, you know, I, I'm afraid of this continuing lack of awareness of myself. But Holy Spirit said, if you want to have an awareness of yourself, you have to have an awareness of your fellow creatures. 
it was just that simple. Not that I hadn't had miracles, you know, many, but I realized I did the same thing with miracles that I did with all the instant. I set it on a track ahead of me as if I were the one trying to chase them. And so I just, just love this. What is a miracle? A miracle is a practice. It's a practice of of making every moment of my experience of God be now. And the Course in Miracles is different than any other any other um, path uh, in that it's the recognition that you can have awareness of God now as you find Him in your brother. Now. A miracle is always now. It obliterates my past understanding, my past judgments, my past intolerance, my past um, condemnation of myself. And all of that disappears. All of it disappears as if it were never there when my perception is brought to this now moment when I realize holiness is shared. God is not distant. He doesn't abide in a holy instant in the past, nor is the experience of God like a rabbit on a track ahead of me. It's always now. And what happens as a result of that practice um, is born exactly like, like he says, is born out of holy relationship you know, um, God is God is approached by loving His creation. You know, we talk about the memory of God will return when the mind has lost all sense of condemnation of itself and of creation, and He bridges the gap with Himself, so that the gift of atonement, that great and glorious gift of holiness, now is always here right now as I share it. As I share it. That's the um, beauty of today's lesson. I can only attack my own sinlessness and it's only that which keeps me safe. Sinlessness isn't in the past or nor is it a rabbit on a track. It's now and it's that experience of God that um, I can find with you and you and you when I look past my old perceptions a miracle is always now that's why God is never distant that's why miracles fall like drops of healing rain on a dry and dusty world where starved and thirsty creatures came to die I made myself a starved and thirsty creature I did that with my thoughts. A miracle is a thought correction. You know, we see what we believe is there and we believe it's there because we want it there. When I let that be changed, when I change my focus, everything shifts. Everything shifts. And now, you know, <laughs> trust my brothers who are one with me I think it's lesson 181 
is the most stunningly beautiful lesson in that regard because in there he says if you change your focus on what you want to see everything will change accordingly that's another definition of a miracle um, he says um, way back in, in introduction to miracles he says uh, the way to perceive for golden rule behavior is to look out from the perception of your own holiness and see the holiness of whatever it is you're looking on that's by definition Christ's vision when I let Christ look on me now and see his smile and recognize that together we abide in God's smile how can a perception of a holiness be my now experience but to have that now experience I have to let miracles shift me and return my mind to now in in the now is there anything of which I need to be afraid in the now is there anything I need to hide in the now am I complete in God in the now is there anything with which I conflict only only if I let ego thoughts color me but when I don't let ego thoughts color me I know what he means when he says you have been called to live as though you're not an ego <laughs> that's another definition of letting miracles be my experience now I've often said that um, that these realizations the realizations of profound truth uh, seem to come in from a back door somewhere on little cat feet and these characteristics of God's teachers are like that to me um, if if as an ego I aspire to be honest I'll have a lot of trouble with that if as an ego I try to be tolerant I'll be aware of my intolerance if as an ego I try to be gentle I'll be aware of my uh, ungentleness you know none of these things are attained by attempting to reach because like like the mind that casts the experience of God out into the future or back in the past it isn't like that these ex these characteristics uh, to me come in on little back little cat feet when all of a sudden I realized I have no fear of being honest anymore <laughs> I have no fear of being tolerant I have no need for intolerance I have no need for harmlessness why because miracles and truth have altered and restored my holiness to me now and that holiness is always shared and it gives birth to fruit you see where in in the Gospels in Matthew he says by your fruits you shall know them but here's the important part they will know themselves they will know themselves if I want to know myself I have to know myself now and a miracle is always the way to make that happen I don't like what I see I don't know I don't understand I need help 
You know, he says, as you can hear in two ways, you can see in two ways. And in both cases, you look in before you look out. If you look in and see Christ's vision, you will look out from that place and see truth. So a miracle is how I restore present experience of God to my mind. And that is cause for great, great, great joy. I don't have to attain joy. I don't have to go back and look for it, nor is it out in front of me. It's here now. All of it, all of it on little cat feet because I've allowed my perception to be changed to truth, which is always now. And that's about all I have to say about that. And I'm really, really complete. And none of it, that's what I meant to say at the beginning, this path is different than any other path, not only because it restores holiness now, but it restores the awareness that I cannot have that by myself. I have to have that in conjunction with all creation. I have to share that. Without sharing it, without the practice of sharing it, I won't know it. It'll seem far away behind or in front of me. And I'm on the track trying to find something that is here now. Now I'm complete. And I'm so, so, so grateful for people on this path, for all of you. Because without you, this couldn't be done. Um, so anyway, I'm complete. Oh, thank you so much. Wow, oh, that was great. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Oh, thank you, Lori. Beautiful. That was, that was really wonderful, Lori. Thank you. That was why I was thanking you for the Helen Shipman poem, because it talked about that, no past and no future, the eternal now. And that's where all judgment that you can think of comes from is the past. It's all based on her past um, experiences, what she thinks she knows. So that was why I was thanking you for reading that beautiful um, poem of Helen's. And you just expressed it so beautifully, Lori. You're on fire. Thank you. I don't know about on fire, but I was a starved and thirsty creature, and I'm not anymore. (laughs) Thanks, Judy. You know, I had a really, really hard day the other day, and um, I don't know why. I just went into a real spin and um, was in a lot of pain, and and I was suffering because I was in pain. I mean, it was the full full kit and caboodle, and um, just miserable, absolutely miserable. And I, I felt abandoned, and I felt betrayed, and, you know... My ego took it to the fullest limit, and it's, the dam finally broke. <laughs> and it's like I really 
when I hear you say, Lori, you're grateful for it, I'm grateful for those 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 um, dark, stormy clouds. You know, it's like, because when the clarity comes again, it comes with even brighter, more transcendent and more luminous clarity than it was ever before. And it really makes me value it all the more. And it really makes me want to attend to it and um, be in it and, and um, hold it with reverence. It's not something that I can treat with irreverence because it is really holy and sacred. And we, we use these words, and I use these words so freely, and I think sometimes without true reverence. So I, I needed to say that out loud today. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Judy. I'm just <laughs> I was thinking about I read some on the resurrection this morning and then redemption, the word redeemed came up, and and um, salvation, and it's like all these words, and you know, when you have a really bad day, and you're, and then you're saved from it, it, it and 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 it's juxtaposition and it's contrast. Um, it just the beauty of it, the beauty of it, the peace of it, the joy of it, um, become very meaningful. They're not just words anymore. Thank you, God. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I was um, 
just had that thought reoccur that what you said, Lori, about these characteristics um, being a part of our natural way of being, our natural awareness, um, that occurred to me this morning that when I see through Christ's vision, through Christ's perception, a purified perception, that I am seeing, I am seeing through the eyes of love and blessing, um, like it speaks of in the reading about the miracles, that I'm blessing things by, with, by seeing through the eyes of love. But that, um, that's when things become effortless, like um, what the, the um, correct corrected uh, responding to anything in any given moment becomes a natural way of being, being honest, being gentle, being kind, being tolerant, being um, without defense. You know, there's no walls. I'm not putting any walls up. I'm not trying to um, um, have an agenda or change anybody or make anything different or other than it is. I'm just accepting, I'm no longer analyzing, I'm accepting what is it merely being what it is, God, it's all God, I can see it through the Christ perception, seeing and understanding totally the totality of it, that it's all working together in God's goodness, in God's grace. So those characteristics are just natural. Um, way of being natural factory settings. I'm trying to help you out, Lemoyne, so you can understand it better. <laughs> Just a little poke. <laughs> I love you, Mr. Castle. <laughs> We're not machined. <laughs> <coughs> I tend to think of it more as the reboot, <laughs> but that's similar. Restoring our original operating system. Well, the, the spontaneity and the joy of being in the holy instant, you know, it, there's no structure to that. It's really just spontaneous and instantaneously restored responsive so I don't know that there's a system to it it's like whatever is happening is happening and it's more like a dance so um, using the machinery as a metaphor doesn't work for me either really thank you morning this is Sandra again Um, thank you all for your share if somebody didn't get things. Um, I'd like to talk about people-pleasing and honesty. <laughs> you know, and not saying something because you're afraid you might hurt somebody's feelings. Or, um, you know, just not, not being genuine, not being totally transparent because, because there's a fear that you know, you won't be liked. <laughs> um, 
So I don't know if anybody else has a has a challenge with that, but I'd like to have a conversation about people pleasing. I'm complete. From the good topic. People- <laughs> <laughs> it is. I um, through a friend came to understand um, that. The thing to note in my heart is whether it's um, offered in kindness if it's, um, or if it's a criticism. If it's a criticism, it's an attack. And, um, but if it's offered in loving kindness, then um, it's usually a form of, of acknowledging something loving about the other person. So um, that's all. Thank you. Great topic. Mm-hmm. Well, in light of the fact that um, Forgiveness and miracles ride the same horse, so to speak. Forgiveness always brings the miracle. I thought to close this call this morning from uh, chapter 30. And it happens to have been the topic of Lana's post on Facebook this morning. Um, This in chapter 30, paragraph 57. The real world is the state of mind, state of mind, in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. Fear is not its goal, and the escape from guilt becomes its aim. The value of forgiveness is perceived and takes the place of idols which are sought no longer, for their so-called gifts are not held dear. No rules are idly set, no demands are made of anyone or anything to twist or fit into the dream of fear. Instead, there is a wish to understand all things created as they really are. That desire for truth, and it is recognized that all things must first be forgiven and then understood. Isn't that beautiful? So, amen, and thank you all uh, for another beautiful call. And we'll end the recording, but uh, I have a hunch we're going to take up that topic, Sandra, in the after call. So, um, please stay on the line, everyone. <laughs>